Is it time for a mind shift? If you don't know what that means, then join your host, Dr. Clint Haycock, a former evangelical Christian pastor and Bible college teacher of over 20 years, along the journey of deconstruction and reconstruction of faith, life, religion, and spirituality. I'm super happy to be catching up with my good friend Frank Schaefer. I don't know how long it's been, <laughs> at least a year and a half. So welcome back, Frank, to Mindship Podcast. Hey, my pleasure. It really is. I, I was thrilled when I saw your name pop up and the scheduling and, okay, we're going to do this. Great. It's clear. Actually going to do it. Yeah, actually, I was thinking about maybe a year ago we were going to catch up and then we said, hang on, let's do this again. And then <laughs> for some reason, a year flew past, you know, so it wasn't for lack of trying, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, the, the years come and go, but here we are. We're doing it now. It's true. It's true. In fact, it's very poignant because now that it's been at least a couple of years, I think, since we talked, the last time we talked, obviously, we went way into your backstory, you and your famous father, France, Francis Schaefer, how you were key instrumental part in getting the anti-abortion movement off the ground in evangelical America. I mean, I think you've been talking about that a lot lately. You must have well, yeah, I mean, you know, with the Supreme Court we have with six majority justices having been, you know, carved out a place for themselves on the far right, and half of them are appointments from Trump and, you know, Amy Coney Barrett, it's it's like this this won't go away. You know, it's so funny, when I wrote my memoir, Crazy for God, I, I don't know how long ago it came out. I should check that out sometime, but I'm guessing 15 years uh, it's been in print. Um you know, I thought, okay, this is just sort of, this is the headstone on this tomb. I'm burying this subject. I don't have to ever answer a question on this again. I really did think that the religious right is going away and there's this small fringe crazy minority, but basically great. I've done that. Now I'm going to go back and do other things. And then of course, the very story I tell in Crazy for God of the rise of the religious right and the part my family played and my regrets and why I left it Far from being ancient history, suddenly I'm being questioned on American TV and radio and other places, uh, like last Friday, you know, on with Joy Reid, on Readout, on MSNBC. What are we talking about? Rip from the headlines, and like, <laughs> it's the same thing. So, you know, you go back 15 years, and I said, this is going to be an issue. Watch out for the rise of the religious right. And then all of a sudden, you know, the only thing that's changed is a little bit of linguistic description. Now we talk about Christian nationalism, but it's the same people mm. uh, and or their kids. You know, it's generational now. This has been going on for a while. So it's a little crazy for me because I'm 70 years old. I'd rather be concentrating on my grandchildren. and I'm still talking about this shit. <laughs> Decades later. And it's your yeah. fault, Clint. <laughs> it's something my else. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, it's got to be a counter narrative. I think we may have touched on this before when we talked about Crazy for God, in that your book goes directly, diametrically opposed to the narrative that the Christian right tells about its sort of stance on pro life, you know, anti abortion. Isn't that right? I mean, it's a complete. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's more than that because I really understand the religious right in America and how it took over the Republican Party. I know where. The bodies are buried. I know what happened. And it's not a conspiracy. It's just a movement in history that since I was literally in the room with people, you know, like 
Congressman Jack Kemp who, and, and Ronald Reagan and all these other people, I know that they adopted these issues as a matter of convenience to both raise money and get votes. So I was there when this whole sort of falsified narrative was being hatched. Mm-hmm. And I've carried that knowledge with me. So for instance, I'll give you an example where I, I take a little bit of a different take on things. Last week, the news was that the Supreme Court had put a stay on the ruling by a pro-life judge in the middle of nowhere who had suddenly said that the what's known as the abortion pill, it's basically a morning after pill for people you know, in the first couple weeks of pregnancy, to terminate a pregnancy. And he put a stay on the whole thing, saying that the FDA, FDA hadn't decided it was safe properly, and it's been in the market for 20 years, so it's an absurdity. Mm-hmm. And the court put a stay. Well, what I was explaining to Joy Reid on MSNBC, I said, listen, you have to understand something. They're still going to ban this pill. They're, they basically are trying to figure out how to get away with it because they didn't count on the pushback after the row went down. They're worried. And what they want to do now is wait and give their political leaders a chance to take the presidency, the House and the Senate again without making this an even bigger issue. Mm-hmm. Mark my words, when the Democrats lose the next election, if they do, this will recycle. And if you don't want this to happen, forget the court, you know, elect Democrats and push back hard at this kind of white nationalist, Christian nationalist right wing that's taken over the Republicans, which is the kind of next step after the religious right and makes what we were doing look like a Sunday school picnic. So Hmm. I try to bring something to bear when I talk about this out in the marketplace of ideas with people who didn't grow up in that background, that these guys have been planning for 40, 50 years to do this stuff, as in the Federalist Society had put their list together. People like Amy Coney Barrett were being groomed 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. And they had them all waiting, and the list was ready to go for Donald Trump. So when he became president, Franklin Graham and Ralph Reed walked into his office. I know about this meeting because I know people who work with both of them. And they literally said, you know, we don't like you. You know, you adulterous scumbag, basically. They didn't use those words. But if you'll sign off on this, here's the issue we care about. And he did. And so what do you get? You get the, these appointments of this judge who struck down the, the distribution of the morning after abortion pill, which has been perfectly safe and legal for 20 years. And then you have Alito and these other guys on the court basically strategizing and saying, OK, wait a minute here. If we do this on top of knocking down Roe, then we're going to hand the Democrats even more of a cudgel with which to pound us Mm -hmm. in the 2024 election. Let's not do that now. So they didn't roll it back. They just put a stay on the ruling for further thought. And basically what will happen is, is lo and behold, if they they, uh, see the next election rolling around and and they put their own people back in power, because they're really just, you know, their Supreme Court is now dominated by Republican operatives. They're political operatives. They're not justices anymore in the classical sense of the law being above politics. They aren't even pretending. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they make decisions giving evangelical Christian and Catholic groups special rights. You know, they can discriminate against gay people or you don't have to bake a cake for a gay wedding or whatever it may be from the trivial to the more important. And then on the other hand, it comes to this kind of push for theocracy and what I think a lot of the, the people in the secular media don't get is that this didn't just sort of fall out of the air. People like my father were working for this 50, 60 years ago, and Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson, and the others. And now you have the fruit of their labors. You know, while, while 
you know, Democrats were screwing around, not paying any attention to evangelicals because they were the unwashed mob who lived in the middle. They didn't know anybody <laughs> from Kansas City. You know, that kind of snoot rust belt. Yeah, the rust belt, the whole bit. Then all of a sudden, here they are, and they've already put one lunatic in power. They've got a whole armed nationalist Christian white movement that are wearing AR-15 pins in church and in Congress. Yeah where they used to wear American flags, and it's like, oh, shit, now what? What's well, it? it's a little late to be thinking about this, boys. I, you know, I've been telling you this for the last 30 years. Yes, and that's why your, your book and your work is such a corrective, isn't it? Because what is that narrative that the Christian right is telling? Because I'm mindful, you mentioned Jerry Falwell Sr. Yeah, he said basically maybe a year or two after the moral majority was founded, so it would have been probably early 1980s, he said, basically, the minute I heard that the Roe versus Wade had been passed, I was outraged and I was determined to do something about it. You know, I was in a whole of righteous anger. And that's yeah. when I started the moral majority, blah, blah, blah. But of course, your book completely gives the lie to that storyline, doesn't it? That was not the case at all. It wasn't abortion that motivated guys like Falwell in the least, was it? Well, with Falwell in particular, it was segregation and his right. school and had been segregated and he had to desegregate and then back down because that was no longer going to fly if you were going to do anything that had any kind of involvement with federal anything. And then, you know, he needed another hot issue. And fast forward to today, well, guess what? Right now, you know, they've they've gotten Roe pushed back, so they won on that. Um, and they're tr now they're lying low because they realize this isn't playing well and they still want to win elections, even though if they lose, of course, they're going to say it was stolen. So it's kind of, <laughs> you, mm -hmm. you know, you, you lose either way with these guys because they're anti-democracy people. But they need a new target. So now since abortion, that it, abortion is a little tarnished for them, it's a little messier than they thought it would be. So now what they're doing is they are, of course, picking on trans people yep. and saying, saying the sky's falling again and no no remember that we were telling you it was all about defending babies lives and now what we've got is a whole new situation where what we've what we've got going is not babies lives what we've got going is um yeah uh, you know we're our our children are being corrupted in schools by these books mm -hmm. by all this other stuff so yep. the homosexual agenda yeah the homosexual agenda so it's basically <laughs> it's like the 70s again. There, you know, there's homosexual teachers and they're trying to recruit your yep. your son. It's right, just, Queen Story Hour. Yeah, it's just a revamped uh, version of that. Well, you mentioned Christian nationalism. To what extent is this movement, you know, inspired by that? Because even a guy like Falwell, he was a he was an ardent Christian nationalist, and it seems like the storyline that guys like him told Pat Robertson and others back in the 70s and 80s was. That finally, when they settled on the abortion topic, they said, okay, the reason this is so important to overturn Roe versus Wade is because it's stopping God from blessing America. You know, he famously said that after 9 11, didn't he? Jerry Falwell said, you know, when we kill 40 million little babies, we make God angry, you know, and that's why we're in the, in the state we're in. So we, we're getting these judgments from God. So abortion and Christian nationalism and homosexuality, they're like corporate sins, aren't they? America's you know, sliding from its Christian nation status. Yeah, and in the same time frame, Oral Roberts was sitting in his prayer tower at Oral Roberts University saying, if I don't get $3 million by tomorrow, <laughs> I'm going to die. God has told God's me. God's going to take me. Uh, you know, we laugh, but the thing is, the whole, these people have been, are now, and always were con artists. 
So it never was about any of the issues. Jerry Falwell didn't give a shit about anything. It was no. always about raising the next amount of money. Uh -huh. And that's how it's been from the beginning with all of them. And, you know, so there was no there was no daylight between Oral Roberts saying, if you don't send me three million dollars, if I don't raise three million by this by tomorrow, God's taking me home. And Jerry Falwell saying, if I if we don't stop the homosexual agenda, God will punish our country in the last or or Pat Robertson saying the reason this big hurricane's bearing down on yeah. uh, Virginia this morning is because of a, a because we we've taken Ten Commandments out of our schools. Mm -hmm. It's always the same story. So it's it's a kind of a weird mixture of apocalyptic fantasy, con artist shit. I mean, just so obvious it says it boggles the mind. You know, save us mm -hmm. money, save America, and then you have to keep your people continually stir it up and it's always hey it's never hey send me $25 so that I can make America a better place a fair place a more democratic mm. place more let more of a level playing field no 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 save let's save America from the homosexuals save America from trans people save America from abortionists save America from feminists save America from pornographers on and on the list yeah you don't have to have an enemy yeah, and so basically every time there's a drop in crime or the economy's doing well without their agenda going forward, this is like a blow for them. You know what what mm -hmm. these what what the Republicans want is to make sure that the Biden presidency is a failure. They will take the whole economy down if they have to by not increasing the debt limit mm -hmm. just to make sure that they can blame him for something. Well, the evangelicals are exactly the same. They have an apocalyptic fantasy agenda. Bad news is good news to them. You know, the worst anything is happening, but that's fine. And then, of course, they sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. These guys also, the flip side, speaking of authentically real bad news that's measurable, on the flip side, they are the backbone, the guts, the feet, the mind, the head of the NRA and the whole gun lobby. Mm -hmm. So evangelicals have five times, evangelical white evangelical families in America have, I said five, it isn't five, it's three times more guns per household than any other uh, faction in America. Wow. So they're the most armed, and they're the people that could, don't have one AR-15, they have five, and they do Christmas oh, yeah. their kids holding, and they have a thousand rounds of ammunition up in their bedroom. You know, this this is an armed group of people, and I just interviewed uh, Jeff Charlotte, who wrote this book called The Family. Oh, yeah. Yes, I know, I know Jeff, yeah. Yeah, Jeff has a new book called uh, Scenes from a Slow Civil War, and it's called The Undertow. And I interviewed mm -hmm. him last week. Well, he went around the country talking to all these armed groups in their kind of readouts. You know, he would go to mm -hmm. places in Montana where they were training and all this. And honestly, it's a very well-written book, by the way, but in addition to which, it's just very factual. Uh, he's not being yeah, scary. sensationalize it. He's not saying he's not sensationalizing. He's just saying, hey, they're armed. This is what they think. And they're they They are not collecting weapons for hunting or home protection. They're collecting arsenals because they're expecting to have to shoot it out with the federal government. And That's true. They, these are anti-government people. And he makes a case in the book, a really strong case for the fact that this is the beginning of a genuine American fascist movement, very much as you saw in the 1930s with Rep. Father Kuglin, mm -hmm. with this Roman Catholic fascist, pro-Hitler, anti-Jewish, anti-Semite, at a radio show that at that time was the most listened to. He was the he was the Tucker Carlson of that era, mm -hmm. you know, Rush Limbaugh of the day, the Rush Limbaugh of the day, and 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 basically, um, 
we've seen this before, but it last time to push this fascistic white tendency away, this same Christian nationalism, because that's what Kuglin was all about. You know, the Jews are gonna are coming, they're not our people. It took World War Two. Hitler had to attack Britain and, and Japan had to attack us to basically have Father Kuglin and Henry Ford and and Lindbergh, the pilot who was also a, a mm-hmm. pro-fascist Hitler aficionado. You know, all of a sudden they all look bad because now every American wakes up one morning and we're at war and they're on the side of the enemy. So then they just shut up and weaseled away. Yeah. We, don't, we don't have anything like that. So Tucker Carlson, who, by the way, just left, got thrown out of Fox News, um, uh, today and in oh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, well, you will, you will, uh, and he wow. just announced, and and they didn't even give him a time to say goodbye to his audience, so he really was kicked out. Wow, unceremoniously given the boot. Unceremoniously, because <laughs> he, 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 you know, he just cost them eight hundred million dollars, so you know that's yeah billion, and it was like, okay, we're done with this idiot. Um, we're moving on, but the fact is, if you look at Tucker and what he was saying and stirring up white fear. It was exactly what Reverend Kuglin was doing in the 30s. Yeah. And it was exactly what Jerry Falwell was doing against gay people. And it's exactly what my dad and me were doing against what we we were pitching as a kind of a feminist assault on Christian values. Oh, yeah. And abortion. But it was really it was really the women we were going after tapping into the deep strain of misogyny that is as basic to Christianity, Judaism and Islam as any Mm -hmm. part of its religious doctrine. So the subservience of women is what Judaism, Christianity, and Islam all taught in their scriptures. And yeah. that's, that's where we've been, you know, that's where it's been at. They're deeply patriarchal religions. Yeah. yeah. I've been doing that's, a lot that's of the stuff. Picture. And that's the picture anyway. Uh, yeah. So anyway, when you, when you get into this idea of Christian nationalism, this is not some new phenomena. No. It's not even, it's not even a post-Francis Schaeffer pro-life phenomena. It is a part of American history that goes back to the beginning, our founding, and has always been there. And it's seesawed back and forth with our other founding principles, which came out of the French Enlightenment. And so there's always this battle that goes forward. And you've seen it in the seesawing majorities of the Supreme Court. And right now, the people that have the upper hand are indistinguishable in their values from, say, the theocrats running Iran. You know, they're not making women cover their hair but they're going to take away their abortion pill. They're not exactly going to do public hangings, but they're going to roll back my friend Ernie Gregg, my producer of my podcast, by the way, just a little plug here, Income Business plug, Frank Schaefer, and my other podcast, Love in Common, that Ernie is part of. Well, he's gay. He's been married 17 years to Rock, who happens to be a pastor. Two men yeah. married, have a great relationship, and Ernie and Rock are genuinely frightened because... What was unthinkable to them a few years ago, like, oh, we've crossed that bridge. We're going to be allowed to live in peace now. Not so fast. So, exactly. you know, it's all under threat again. Anyway. It is. Well, that's one of the things we talked about. We had an episode, well, it would have been the twilight of the Trump era then because we, you and I connected when they were, I think, either nominating or just had nominated Amy Coney Barrett. We went into all that. And you basically predicted at that time. So that would have been, what, three years ago now? Almost yeah. now. You basically predicted, you said, they're going to not only now overturn Roe versus Wade, now that they've got this majority, the next step is they're going to start coming after LGBTQ rights because that's the next big agenda item on the part of the Christian right, isn't it? And I, you can see that coming in. You know, the, I don't know if you're familiar with Project Blitz, but that's another yeah, thing. Yeah, that's Project Blitz. Yeah. 
I did a thing on that the other day, and it's quite interesting because it starts out, the bills are fairly innocuous sounding. You know, we're going to put the Ten Commandments up or put in God we trust on the license plate. But when you get toward the end of it, it's, it's all about marriage and abor- uh, adoption rights for intact heterosexual married couples. Yeah. So it excludes all LGBTQ, same sex, and all that. So that's really where they're going with this thing. Isn't yeah, it? and they always look for the weakest link or the one that has the least supporter people. And they're saying, oh, well, you know, polls show a lot of people favor gay marriage. So wait a minute, what do we do here? Okay, we'll start with the trans people because there's a lot of folks who are disinterested in this issue, but they see a picture of some big sweaty guy dressed as a woman now throwing a shot put. Let's go that mm-hmm. way. Yeah, we, can scare, we can scare them about their children. So what they always do is they look at the fringe of the movement that they are going to go to. They don't look at the 99.999% of people who are my friend Ernie and Rock. Yeah, or my dog. Uh, they'll, they'll find anything that makes it look like a freak show, and they say that's what they're after. So... You know, you get one, you get one, uh, you know, trans teacher doing something weird in the school, and all of a sudden, that's what trans people are. And of course, hey, let's be fair, the left does that too. The only difference yeah. is that Tucker Carlson wasn't a fringe figure. Fox owns the media. You know, the the right yeah. lunatic fringe are sitting in Congress wearing AR-15 pins yeah. and and pushing QAnon theories from the House floor. Yeah. Yeah, the Margaret so Taylor uh, It isn't yeah. that both movements don't have fringes. The The difference is the fringe has taken over the Republican Party, whereas the Democratic Party is still run by sane people. There's a few out there. Yeah, you've got the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Lauren Boeberts, Matt Gates, those kind of people put, actively pushing QAnon and getting reelected by a landslide. Yeah. You know, hugely popular. You know, it's shocking stuff, isn't it? When we come back from the break with this conversation with Frank Schaefer, I'm going to get into the issue of gun rights in America. And lately, Frank's been doing a lot of work on this. And in fact, he's tied in not only what's going on in terms of the mass shootings in America, which are on an unprecedented scale, even for America, he's going to connect that to the abuse of children within the church. So we're going to get into those issues as well as some other things in the second half. So stay tuned for that. I just wanted to let you know what's coming up here in the next few episodes on Mindship Podcast. I actually put this chat with Frank ahead of the one I was going to drop originally with Venny Koshis. In fact, I had that conversation with her the other day. It's an absolutely fascinating story. And it turns out that she grew up in an unbelievable, just a classic cult environment. We're talking compounds, guns, working, you know, people almost to the point of exhaustion. Just every classic cult marker you can think of. She grew up in the Sam Five Move of God cult. It is truly an unbelievable, amazing story of cult survival, escape, and then rebuilding your life. So you're not going to want to miss that one. So that's coming up next. And then, as promised, I'm hoping that I'll have a little bit of time to get that episode out on Doug Wilson, the issue of Southern slavery as it was. I've got a lot of research that I've done. So hopefully I'll be able to squeeze that one in. And I've been in touch with some other people. We've got some things in the pipeline coming up. I've been in touch with the Cult Vault podcast, as well as the guys from the Excommunication Station. So we're working on some collaborative episodes with these other shows. And then finally, I've been in touch with Laura Anderson. She was on the show a long time ago, a couple of years back, I think it was. She's a therapist, and she's done a lot of stuff on religious trauma syndrome. So we're looking to book in a recording about her new book that's just come out. So stay tuned for some really great content heading your way. 
The other thing I was going to mention is that this Sunday, as this episode drops on the 30th of April, I'm going to be doing a presentation for the Atheists of Florida about the toxic legacy of biblical patriarchy. I think this is the third or fourth presentation that I've done for AOF. You can RSVP. You can go to atheistsofflorida.org. It's still not too late to get on that Zoom call as I do this presentation. Then, as always, there's going to be a question and answer period afterwards. And of course, a lot of this relates to the research that I did in all of my episodes on the controversial pastor slash cult leader, Doug Wilson out of Moscow, Idaho. So I'm going to be taking a deep dive into this very controversial topic of the legacy of biblical patriarchy. So hopefully you can join me along with the Atheist of Florida on the 30th. I just want to mention too that I've been putting a lot of content out on Patreon. I'm trying to put stuff out there that's just for patrons of the show. I've done one on Mark Driscoll, the cult leader. I've also done a little episode on Project Blitz. These are only things that you can access by being a Patreon supporter of the show, as well as our closed MindShift podcast Zoom calls that we have once a month. We just had one the other day with Chris Shelton, and the video for that is going to be available, again, only on Patreon. Next month, we've got Nate Manderson. He's a writer for Salon. I just did an episode with him. So he's going to be coming back in the month of May. So again, you can access those Zoom calls only by being a Patreon supporter of the show. And in fact, I wanted to give a thank you to some of the newest Patreon supporters of the show. A big thank you to Margot Katz, as well as Vincent Liongar and Brenda Silbury. Thank you all for your support of the show. It is hugely beneficial to me. In fact, if you want to be a Patreon supporter of the show, as always, the links for that are in the show notes, so you can find out how to connect with me there. You can also follow me on Twitter at MindShift2018, as well as you can send me a message on the public MindShift podcast page. So there's a couple of ways you can get a hold of me on social media. All right, let's get back on into the second half of this chat with my good friend Frank Schaefer as we continue to take a look at this issue of God, guns, and abortion. Well, you mentioned gun rights as well. Now, that's another thing because you've been you posted up on Facebook the other day a, a kind of a I don't know eight or ten minute talk about the complicity, you know, this collateral damage between you know supporting gun rights on the one hand and allowing so many children to be killed by guns in America. I mean, the statistics are shocking coming out of this year. As we're doing this recording, I think there's been about 160 mass shootings. Yes. Since January, so there's been more mass shootings than there's yeah, yeah, and and gun deaths aren't e- the mass shootings aren't even where most of the kids die. They're yeah. dying in accidents at home or murder or mm-hmm. murder suicide pacts. And and now, since two years ago, now for the first time in American history, the the number of gun deaths now account for the greatest number of fatalities amongst children of any single cause, more than accidents. So. It's really, it's shocking when you think about the fact that more kids die with a gunshot in America every year than from any other single source. So it's the highest childhood fertility fatality numbers. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to the point of being sickening. But again, the sad thing is that, you know, there would have been no Donald Trump without the evangelical voter. There's no QAnon movement without the evangelical followers now. There's no Mar- you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene or any of these other idiots without her evangelical voters. You know, Roe is still in place. The Supreme Court would look fairly reasonable and so forth. You know, once again, if you find out 
what the lunatic fringes that supports the NRA, who are these guys? It's white pastors mm-hmm. who are armed to the teeth with with their own congregants carrying weapons in church. Yeah. And and then the result is just in the last couple of weeks, for instance, not just mass shootings, but the rage of these people, this unhinged gun carrying majority in America and places like Texas, where you've got a kid rings the wrong doorbell and gets shot to death. I saw that. And then and 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 it's not just white, it's not just black kids getting shot by white racists. A girl in a parking lot gets a cheerleader in her cheerleader's costume, a teenage two teenagers get into the wrong car in a in a in a parking lot outside of Walmart and they're shot. Uh, a ball rolled from one neighbor's lawn onto another neighbor and the neighbor next to it had been yelling at him for some time about, don't let that that ball get over here. He opens fire on the family, um, wounds a child, puts the mother in critical condition and the father in the hospital with minor injuries. These are just isolated incidents, let alone all the road rage and shit. Yep. Look, you have an armed public. The Supreme Court says you don't need a license. You don't need any special instruction. And we're not going to do background checks. And you're free to carry a gun with no permit. That's mm-hmm. they, that is their position, and they're trying to force it. For instance, on New York City, that has had tighter regulation, trying to fight crime. Well, what the hell do you think would be happening? You know, I I, I wouldn't want Jeannie and me. I've been married fifty three years, but we've had fights. I'd never sure. strap on a gun and carry it around my house. And what happens if we have a couple drinks too many, and the fight pulls out a thing, and I have to mm-hmm. pull a gun out and shoot her? I mean, it continues it to remote, but it's not its not impossible. It's happening it every day. It happens And the bullet goes to the wall, and there's a kid in the crib. I mean, these guys yeah. are so stupid. It's a death wish. Yeah. And then they said, well, it's not guns that kill people. Like, oh, yeah? Well, then why isn't gun death the leading cause of childhood trauma and death in any other country on Earth? Any mm-hmm. country. Even countries at war. Yeah. You know, I mean, think about it. It's not the leading cause of death in, in right now, in 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 the war that's going on that the that the Russians are prosecuting yeah, against Ukraine. the Ukrainians. Even there, gun death yeah. is not the leading cause of children's death, but it is in America. Yeah, you take a, an active combat zone, and it's actually safer right now to be in Ukraine. There's something seriously wrong with that. Yeah, if you're under 18, you're safer in Ukraine than you are in America. And we're not talking inner cities with black kids shooting each other just to cut to the racist yeah. thing here. Or, we're talking right. about two teenagers get in the wrong car in a parking lot and some son of a bitch shoots at them. What yeah. what kind of level of deluded paranoia do you have to have to have a gun so handy in your car that if two teens in cheerleader outfits open your car door, you open fire? I mean, what? Yeah. Sorry, what the fuck? And you see the the story about you mentioned the guy that shot the black kid on his front porch. Yeah, turns out he was a a rabid Fox News guy, you know, hard right guy. Yeah, reminds me of you know the sort of um, that that original Rush Limbaugh type character. You know, he stirred up, wound up so many people. They're so angry and afraid that clearly this this kid was what, what was he going to do? Rob him? You know, so he just shot through the door and killed him. Yeah, and it started. There was a case. We we have so many of these multiplying that we forget the cases. But I remember about seven eight years ago <clears throat> when Florida start when everybody you know when the open carry thing started in Florida. The first one that I remember reading about of this type of fluky stupidity was the guy in the movie theater who shot the guy in front of him because he was talking in the movie. <laughs> 
At least he had a good reason for it. And this was old, old stupid white guy on old stupid white guy. Yeah. I mean, what the hell? You know, what goes on? Yeah. And I can remember about, oh, what, six, six years, seven years ago, I was speaking at Rice University in Houston to a a graduate class there that was studying Crazy for God as part of their history of religion Mm -hmm. course. And I, then I did a guest appearance. I was, I was Rice's guest, but then I did a guest appearance at the University of Texas when I was in, in Texas. I forget which city it was. And one of the deans who was showing me around ruefully says to me, now, I know you're from Massachusetts and, you know, you have a reputation as someone who's pretty liberal, but <laughs> I don't know how to say this, but a lot of our young people are pretty far to the right. And, you know, you just have to assume that a fair proportion of them are carrying. And I was so naive at the time. I said, well, um, carrying what? I mean, I really <laughs> wondered if he was telling me that half the girls were pregnant or something. <laughs> yeah. By carrying what? Yeah. Um, no, no, they're armed because it, a, a lot of these kids come from white rural areas. They're at yep. the state university. They're in a big bad city because it's Houston. You know, black people live there. Mexicans live there. People of color. Ooh, ooh, it's dangerous. They're carrying weapons. And we've had to tell guest speakers to just realize that, you know, if, for instance, you got into an altercation while you were speaking, you know, you just have to keep the keep the temperature of the discourse low. He tells me. right. They could and take I, a posh out. I sitting there going, "What the hell are you talking about?" I've been speaking in universities off and on for the last forty years. You know, supporting my books. Yeah, I'd never have anybody tell me. You know, and I'm not some lunatic French guy that draws protesters. I mean, I might, you know, in the future because things are going so crazy, but like I'm not a figure who courts controversy. So it's totally like crazy. And he's saying to me, yeah, but, you know, you just have to remember a lot of them have psychological problems. They come from these rural backgrounds. They're very paranoid. And, you know, all I'm saying is, is, is just, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't get into an altercation with somebody. And And he says, we're telling all our visiting speakers that. I can't even imagine that. It's absolute madness. But you say that you don't court controversy, but I, I'm I'm gonna call it more of a rant the other day on Facebook than a, anything else because you you not only linked the gun thing, you started talking about the church. You said uh, you know the child abuse endemic within ca- the Catholic Church. Yeah. Sure. Look at the Southern Baptist Church. Yeah. We're we're putting up with the fact that you know these guys are abusing children, so children are getting shot by guns. And they're also getting abused by the church. You're making that connection. How, how do you break that down? Well, the fact of the matter is that America, what's so funny, it, it, from the conservative side, they talk about abortion, but they've got, it, this is an antenatal culture. We don't have parental leave for parents that's paid. Corporations yeah. pay for it if they want. They don't have to. Government pays nothing. Every time there's a chance to cut back on any kind of assistance to families, it's cut back. Briefly, for a few minutes, something good happened during COVID, and the poverty rate in children dropped by a third in one year. I mean, it didn't take much. You just lift your little finger, you can help people. So that's the overarching context. And then within that context, the the so-called pro-life Christians are all about what happens to kids before they're born. They don't give a shit the second the child's born. And in addition to that, you have the Republicans playing with the debt limit, always trying to cut funding. And what do they cut? It's never the military. It's, you know, it's never their big projects. It's oh, always no. 
around sniffing around the edges of any kind of a safety net. Um, and so when you put all that together, the atmosphere is toxic when it comes to actually helping kids. So, you know, the schools have cops in them. You see all these horrible videos posted where, you know, some six-year-old's being dragged off in handcuffs. I'm not making that shit up. That happens. Oh, yeah, it happens. You know, and God help you if you're a 13-year-old big black kid, teen, girl or boy, they're just going to beat the shit out of you. Like as if mm -hmm. you were a, you know, a murderer suspect who had just been arrested with a machine gun. They, they treat you like shit in these schools uh, across the country. Um, they're scared of their own children. And then you sort of bookend that with banning books and and stopping kids from studying American history because it's embarrassing to, you know, white nationalists and so forth. And by the time mm -hmm. you're done, a lot of people in America seem to look at our kids almost like enemies. Like these, you know, we they they pretend they're afraid for them when it comes to a, a trans person being able to speak at a at a high school. But, you know, mm -hmm. when it comes to actually doing anything for them, they're totally hypocrites. They do nothing. It's true. And as we've said, you know, how many times has it been said the pro-life movement? You're you're protected as long as you're a fetus. <laughs> but once you're born, hey kid, you're pretty much on your own. The hypocrisy is, is just so blatant, isn't it? I mean, the pro-gun, pro-military, pro-everything that that militates against children once you're born. Hey, that's that's you're on your own, basically, isn't it? Yeah, and of course, one of the highest rates of death from guns in America is suicide. And the very people committing suicide are they, you know, uh, are are these white nationalists, depressed, hard drinking, drug addled mm -hmm. people who, you know, are hoarding all the guns too, and or white pastors who are preaching some version of hate and fear of race war, whatever. When you put it all together, you know, without trying to sound clever, but the last people in America who ha should have a gun are the ones that are collecting them. Exactly, a psychological profile, and. The NRA doesn't even want checks on people to keep it out of the hands of people who have been repeatedly arrested for domestic abuse. No. I mean, you can't even get guns out of their hands. And so what it, what, it, what you got going here? You know, so the people who kill, the, the people who die most often in America from a gun shot are white American males committing suicide. That's the highest number. Yeah. Okay, so the very people that supposedly, you know, these people are such bastards, if I could put it this way, they don't even protect their own. Exactly. In other words, they worship the gun to the point where there's going to be a guy you meet at the last NIR, NRA deal who also has opiate addiction. He's about 120 pounds overweight. He's a miserable son of a bitch, and he's on the edge of society, angry, and you're telling him to collect guns. Well, guess what? You're going to find him sprawled in his bathroom having blown his own brains out. That's the most people who die from guns in America is suicide of white males. That's true. Because they're a very despairing bunch of people themselves. I mean, they, you know, they're also victims of a system and a way of thinking that has left them behind. And instead of instead of helping them, the Republican Party just says, no, we can raise another 25 bucks out of this guy's anger. Let's just make him mad at the trans guy who bought an apartment across the street. He'll focus on that. Let's make him scared of the black people who come through his town sometimes and, you know, we'll get him to buy another gun. And they take all the donations from the NRA. They never do a thing. So these sons of bitches don't even take care of their own, which is basically downtrodden white older males who kill themselves by droves. It's true. And they, they made such a big deal about the shooting in Nashville. You had this trans woman, you know, ha, see there, that doesn't fit your profile, Frank. She was not a typical white, you know, angry yeah. Christian nationalist. 
and and there there's a victim that they can you know put up on there and say or they can they can vilify this person sigh of relief goes up <laughs> yeah finally we have a a trans finally, person one yeah, yeah okay. one out of hundreds thousands and i have to explain to my british friends over here in the uk you know they're asking me all the time what the hell is going on in america i mean yeah. how come you keep having these shootings how come nothing ever gets done you know and the funny thing is the shootings about. are the shootings are the tip of the iceberg because numerically, yeah. there's far less people dying in the shootings than there are from suicides. There's far less people yeah. dying in the shootings than there are from these random, crazy, dumb, stupid, open carry, you know, laws in Florida that tell you you can shoot if you feel threatened. Well, does that include two high school girls in 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 cheerleader things when they open your car door, you just open fire? I mean, God damn. What you do, that's crazy. Yeah, and it seemed like we never learned anything. I remember th this came, came across in your other book. We talked about, you know, after the COVID lockdown, your book, Fall in Love, Have Children and all that, Stay Put, Save the Planet, Be Happy. You said, you know, that was such a completely different perspective. My question now, a couple of years after all the lockdowns, have we learned anything? Because I feel like I was thinking about you, you know, when we went back to work after COVID and we asked at work, you know, well, can we work from home certain days and it's it's saving the planet. It's it's helping the environment. Save, saving me money and fuel to go back and forth to work. If I'm just sitting on my computer, I can. We've demonstrated we can do that from home. We yeah. seem like we haven't learned a damn thing. If we're just right back in the shit, aren't we? We never seem to learn anything. Yeah, and you know the the, the thing is, if you study a little history, which I know you do and I do as well, you see that these arcs are long, and we all want things to yes. last in our lifetime. But the sad reality is, is that most arcs of history take a long time to come about and then they take a long time to subside and the aftermath is always sometimes worse than the actual event mm -hmm. so when you look for instance at what's happened in russia okay there was the soviet union and the communists and the death camps of their own people up in the gulag oh. all this horrible oh. shit it's still going i mean here we are in 2023 coming up to 2024 they've you know part of the old guard there has launched a land war in ukraine Chuck Tucker Carlson and Fox News supporting it over here, you know, it standing in for Kuglin supporting the Nazis. It's like nothing has changed. Yeah, lots so, of evangelicals did too. They, yeah, and they, I, they I think worship Putin. Yeah, we don't get through this. So what we do is we say, look, we can make it better. We can't fix it, but we can push back. We can make sure that Democrats keep the Senate, win the House back, and take the presidency next time. Does that fix everything? No. But it 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 pushes back, and we hope seesaw back and forth. The pendulum swings, and then gradually, you know, you get to a place where outright racial discrimination and white-only fountains and hotels become illegal, and you sort of move on. And then you take a step mm -hmm. back because now nobody wants to take the history. But it's not all the way back. So now Roe goes down, but hey, there's going to be a lot of states where abortion is still legal, and so there. Women do, in the in total, shabby as it is, have a little more rights as fifty two percent of our country than they did before the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You never you never do a slam dunk, and that's the end of the game. And that, of course, uh, I think that's not just the states. I mean, look look at the 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 women in Iran being raped in police stations because they don't want to wear a headscarf. Exactly. I mean, shit. This this whole rise of authoritarian government combined with with 
you know, biblical absolutes here in America, Quranic absolutes in Iran and Saudi Arabia, Hindu nationalism in India. It, it isn't just America. The seesaw of history, you know, is not just apartheid South African whites versus the good guys in the ANC, and then they win their battle. No, it never ends because, mm -hmm. of course, half the ANC leaders turn into corrupt thieves and run everything into the ground. You know, we've seen the same thing here in America. It isn't just Iranian mullahs that are assholes who want everybody to worship God the way they do or they're going to kill them. Mm -hmm. We got them right here. So I, I think two things we need in, in the American context is one is, is more of a global pr historical perspective, understanding that we are in a global fight against fundamentalist religion per se across the board, being manipulated and used by hypocritical leaders in power, whether it was Bolsonaro in, in, in Brazil or Trump here, they were at the same time, or they even worse are true believers and they really believe they're doing the will of God. So this is genuine old war of religion, Tyndall being, you know, executed, burnt, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, we're back there, you know, in and, and, and India, India's political leadership, encouraging Hindu nationalism, burning down people's mosques. And then conversely, you know, in, in the cast of characters in Iran, just horrible men, you know, these bearded, these bearded jerks mm -hmm. going after their own young women and students because they, 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 they don't dress according to whatever. It isn't one isolated problem. You know, you look at Israel, what's going on on the West Bank? Who is it? It's the crazy, deluded, nutcase Orthodox pushing the idea of greater Israel, making sure that every single effort to have any kind of peace agreement or na two nations is undermined, you know, up until, in, you know, including violence against people. This picture, it is not an American problem. The difference in America is with a lot of these other places is, you know, with the, non, with the tens of millions of weapons we have floating around this country and this, del yeah. this delusional idea that the very reason you arm yourself is to stand against the government means that we have this ideology of armed conflict, even when we're not using the guns, the very fact that somewhere in the back of your head, they're there. Look, I have a twenty-two. okay, mm -hmm. sing single shot. Because once in a while, a rabbit skunk comes into my property, and if I don't get him, he's going to go and bite somebody, and it's totally safe, and it's one shot, and if I miss, nothing happens, because, but I live in a rural area. Now, that's if I lived in the UK, that would be legal too, by the way. I could have a yes. shotgun on a farm. That's true. And I have a permit, and all the rest of it, and I don't tightly it around. Yes, I don't wave it around at my neighbors if they ring the wrong doorbell. You know, that's not my thing. So I'm not, sure. not anti-gun as in the sense of, you know, I'm not like about guns the way vegans are about meat. You know what I mean? I'm not being facetious yeah. about vegans, but it's not a thing for me. But, you know, when you get to the situation we have in America, you have to understand that the reason all those millions of AR-15 sell is because the NRA deliberately hand in glove with the gun industry, stirred up a paranoid group of white gun owners saying, look, you know, there's going to be a race war. They're going to come to your house. Not only that, the U.S. federal government is going to try to seize your weapons and it's going to, they're going to have to pry them out of our cold, dead hands, mm -hmm. um, you know, and- Those words, yeah. Yeah, that whole Carlton thing. Heston. So, yeah, Carlton Heston, standing at the podium, hand yeah. holding a rifle. So- when you fold that into it, gun ownership in America is not like, hey, benign, innocuous, it's just guys with collecting guns bullshit. 
These are weapons of war being collected by paranoid, delusional fanatics who believe that someday they're going to have to fight our government. Well, this is a really bad situation. It is, and potentially getting worse. And, and now I know you have to go, but I do have one last question for you. What do you think is going to happen in 2024, the presidential election? Because there's some disturbing statistics. You know, you got Trump's got lawsuits left, right, and center, and yet 70% of his base still, you know, believes he's the guy. They're 100% behind him. And then the other sort of narrative is the Fox News lawsuit that you alluded to. You know, this, the thing about that that came out is when they called Arizona for Trump, that was a huge backlash against them. They started losing viewers, and that's when they decided, wow, this base is too powerful. It's too scary. We have to start catering to them. So that base is still there supporting Trump yeah. and turning on to Fox News. So what's going to happen in 2024? Is it going to be DeSantis? Is it going to be Trump? What do you I think? Don't know who, the, the I don't situation? know who's going to run, but but uh, we also have another wrinkle because both Trump mm. and Biden are el- older gentlemen. It's true. And so, you know, this in no way is casting a dark cloud or ominous threat to say, well, uh, in no way implying violence or anything else, but either of these two guys could stroke out tomorrow morning and we have a new a new landscape. So the thing is, you know, I'm 70 years old and I'm not, uh, you know, if I was running for president, I might make it okay. You know, I have a slightly enlarged prostate, but I'll probably, I could probably survive <laughs> the race. You go four years. Yeah, but a couple of these guys, not so much. You know, they're they're very old people. We have an you know an octogenarian running on the Democrat side. So I'd say there's yeah. there's so many unknowns in terms of just health and age mm-hmm. that there's no prediction. But I will say this: that if if um, if Trump runs again, I think that the Democrats will win, barring I mean, win the presidency. I don't know about yeah. the House, barring any kind of unforeseen health disaster. Right. Uh, you know, three days before the election, Biden has a stroke or something. You know, who? There's no way to calculate that. Yeah. But other than that, um, yeah, I think th- that base is there, but they are not the majority of Americans, and I think the Republicans have overreached on so many levels. Um, <clears throat> they're counting on a short attention span, but I think they're overcounting on it, and I think Americans really don't want to sink into the chaos. And the other thing is, is where okay. Biden has acted. Yeah, I I talk about this all the time to people. I don't care how old he is. He's been a good, stable governing force, given that his own party's been divided between the moderates and the left. Mm -hmm. You know, the economy is in in compared to the UK, for instance, where you're sitting, the economy in the US is is very in very good shape. And Americans are consumers. Got to understand that. Oh, yeah. Don't care about much shit over here except consumption. And and (laughs) he's he's playing that card. Um, and so I would I would just say basically you're looking at a, a a democratic president, and you're look and probably at least retaining one of the chambers in 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 Congress, either the House or the Senate or both. Um, I don't see the Republican Party being able to fight its way out of a paper bag as a party. Mm. QAnon hysteria aside, but there's a there's a there's a <laughs> sadly there's a but here. There's These always a but. Yeah, these guys have shown they don't accept election results where they lose. That's true. And so does this give us a happy ending when there might be people standing at polling stations with guns who are angry about this? That's a whole nother chapter. So is America okay the next morning when Democrats win? Maybe not. Yeah, well, we know there's a majority of Republicans. They responded to the one survey where they said basically something like, you know, 
will it need will you need to resort to violence if if things come to that you know and yeah. a majority of republicans are saying well yeah i, I will so we saw it well, they've, been, they've saying, been told that the election would have been stolen it's another level. oh yeah right it's a QAnon thing and and you know they'll they'll some of these idiots will act on it ben and the rest of them who don't act on it will be so disgruntled and and pissed off that they essentially will will at every opportunity undermine what's going on, as we've seen in these rash of shootings at power stations where they shoot into transformers. Oh yeah, and, red, and whole cities get blacked out, hospitals included. Yeah, it's the kind too of easy protest because it's so easy. Yeah, it is. It's too easy. It's a soft target, isn't it? <laughs> so we have a we here in the USA uh, have a rocky road ahead of us. I'm not a gloom and doom guy. I think we can do it. I think that history's long and there's many turns on this road and there are plenty of sane people left in this country. But, you know, when you have as many weapons floating around and so many people who, you know, used to go to church and believe in Jesus now believe in QAnon and Trump, you got a problem. Mm, you definitely do. Well, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. I don't want it to be another two or three years. I, I hope we can get back together. Yeah, yeah, we'll get another one. Okay, we will. I'll get a hold of EJ, and we'll uh, we'll schedule something else coming up. But thank you so much, Fred. Yeah, you put a link this? or two to my uh, my podcasts. Yeah, I was going to say, can you run, remind us really? Quickly? Yeah, I would like I'll to remind you. Hold first of all, it's Frank Schaefer on Substack, mm-hmm. and you can subscribe there and get everything. And then there's uh, two podcasts: Love in Common, which is me and Ernie, uh, and. Aaron and Aaron is a as a young woman with two kids. She's a movie maker. I'm an old guy with grandchildren, and Ernie is our married gay man. And we talk about relationships and morality in everyday American life. It's a good podcast. Yeah. Very and then good. we have we have mine that comes out um, just as frequently called In Conversation with Frank Schaefer. And then of course, you know, there's my books. And at in terms of this conversation, the one to read is Crazy for God, my memoir, because that's basically if you want to know what really happened, that's it. That's a, yeah, it's a great resource, great way to start with Frank Schaefer. So thank you so much. I know you have to go. Thank you for spending the no- Hey, my can always good. We won't make a year go by to help Ernie and schedule another one. We will. Thank you so much, Frank. Take care. Thank you, Bye-bye. Bye-bye.